Yeah, I, I guess to answer your question, yeah, don't play too much in Perth. Save your money and go outside and play in Melbourne or Sydney. You won't make any money, but you'll make fans. <laughs> and then when you make those fans, you can go back again next year and you might have a few more fans and then you, you build on that and then you have fun. Yeah, wicked. And that's what it's all about as well, having fun, getting yourself out there. There are a lot of bands that just sort of focus on their own city, which is all well and good. Um, but yeah, think think nationally, think globally, and um, it's not as hard as it may sound to get out there. Oh, it's, it's easy. Yeah. The reason I bring it up is I was actually talking to a friend who goes and watches gigs more in the hardcore and sort of pub rock scene. And um, yeah, he was saying, I can't even remember the band, but I probably shouldn't mention them anyway. Just saying, you know, like their gigs were cool for a little bit, but just after a while, you're just seeing the same thing over and over and it's the same crowd and it's just more of the same, you know. So, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting topic of conversation for birth bands to have, in, especially when the scene, the scene across the board, the music scene in Perth is a little bit lacking. So, you know, well, saturation. Think about it. You can probably get 200 people to a good show. And you're probably going to get, you know, 150 of those will probably be your regulars. And depending on what other bands you've got on, you might get a couple of extra mates come along who, you know, they entice once in a while to come along. And But, you know, there's only going to be so many people you can reach in, in the one city and you're going to get to play the same eight, seven or eight songs every time, every month, every year. You know, unless you're constantly tuning out albums once a, once a year or so or a new EP or something, there's not really much point flooding, constantly just playing the same set, is there? Yeah, you know, that's to, it. You know, you're going to win them over. Yeah, you know, we're pretty guilty of flogging the shit out of our first album because... We just haven't had time to finish recording the second one. But, um, you know, hopefully once the new one's done, we can actually play a bit more of a diverse set. So I know you'll probably cop a bit of, you know, someone might make a comment about that, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I mean, there's no problem really flogging your, your, the same songs over and over in Perth if that's your plan because, I mean, if you're practicing that in your hometown and then you can build a set list as to what works best before you go on tour and play in other cities and things like that. So you may as well practice in your hometown um, but yeah, like we were saying, I mean, turnouts are only going to suffer if you're just constantly playing the same sort of lineup, same gigs, same songs every week in the same city. Um, so yeah. Well, sorry for asking, mate. No, <laughs> I'm all on your side, Ash. I'll I think I should suck say, you off after this. I should say, let's play less shows, Brennan. Yeah, pretty much. This is an intervention. We always have plans to play less shows and then things come up and we're like, oh, we'll just do that one. We'll just do this. We'll just do this. I hear you. Pricks. Whatever. All right, back to Stormrider then. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool to see something like that come alive. There's, um, There was a, a bit of a period there where there were heaps of all-day festivals, um, like local metal festivals popping up in Perth, but they seem to be uh, few and far between now. There's only the um, the positive ones that have really stood the test of time um, sticking around. Um, but if we could maybe just quiz you about... Uh, how we go about putting something like that together? Is it is it super hard work? What what sort of how do you start off? Is it about booking the venue and booking your lineup? Is that where you begin? Yeah, I'd probably sort of think like you know, obviously a venue and a date's ideal um, because you can't really book bands if you don't know what date they're supposed to be traveling on and are the, the big bands you want already going to be booked that day or, or you know whatever. Um, so I'd probably find a venue first and find a date that works and go from there. And then obviously probably like try and book a headliner first. So at least you can get your main act out of the way. There's probably it's going to be like eighty percent of your budget's probably going to be paying that guy anyway. Um, and then uh, you know, once you can sort of say, okay, all these other bands, look, I've got this band headlining, I've got this gig at this venue at this time and date. Um, okay, let's open it up and see who wants to play. And then I guess well, we just put out for submissions, so we find out who's actually interested, and out of those, we just sort of filter through all the ones we know. Um, you know, because 
believe it or not, when you ask for power thrash bands, every death metal band in town messages you. <laughs> you know? mm. So first you have to sort of get back to all them and say thanks but no thanks and then you sort of find out all the good ones that you really wanted to have and you try and negotiate as to you know, see who you can get and who's going to be the best fit because at the end of the day, we don't really make any money out of it but we're going to pay the headlining band and pay the venue and you know pay for everything else. So we're going to make sure that we have a lineup that's good enough to pay the bills. I've noticed a few of the other festivals which have been around over the years have sort of been about just get as many random bands as you can. Um, but for me, it's more about sort of sticking to the, the method of the power and the thrash and the, the progressive, so you know, stick to the actual theme and um, and also just having a, a lineup that's going to draw numbers to pay the bills. That's what it's about really is making money so we can keep awesome. it going, you know, keep it going for next year. Yeah, making make money for sustainability rather than making money for revenue sake oh exactly like we silent i played for free last year um we broke even by about i think one payer um, (laughs) which was really good but for a first year i think we did pretty good and um yeah but yeah it's not about making money really it's about yeah like i said being uh keep on going next year and like yeah you might be even if you make a few bucks you can put it in the bank and put it towards your headline next year might be able to book someone bigger and the year after that maybe someone a little bit bigger again and then before you know it, you might have 500 people one day who knows or, or even bigger yeah, I know it's uh, probably a, a pretty big uh, comparison, but you know that's how Buckingham started. Apparently, it's just a small town festival. I'm not saying that I intend on doing that, but um, <laughs> so please don't get the wrong idea. But that's some people have told me that's how that one started. Now you got you know the world's biggest heavy metal festival with eighty thousand people over three days. So you do start small and things grow. You got to stick to your plan. Awesome, love the way you go about it, and definitely um, a few really awesome little tips in there. I think um, sticking to your theme is a really good one. There's are a lot of uh, festivals around now. Even you have a, a metal festival, but there's just so many different genres these days that it it's, doesn't have its own theme as such anymore. So it's cool to have something that's really focusing uh, on what it does. So you did say so you'll start off by um, finding like a, a headliner that you want. I assume you'd probably have a few in line in mind that you'd hit up. Um, is it a matter of just emailing that band and asking them if they'll do it do you send them through like an official offer or something um how does that work and do you negotiate with them from there yeah the first couple well, we got lord playing this year and we had black majesty last year for headliners and it's really well i luckily enough already sort of knew the guys from black majesty um and i've gigged with lord before quite a few times while we've been in contact a lot so they're, they're pretty you know guys are pretty easy to reach so that's a good thing like i could just jump on facebook and shoot them a message and they'll start off by saying, okay, guys, hey, mate, um, you know, like here's the date. I'd be willing to pay this sort of money. What do you think? And then if they say, yeah, that's all good, then we come back with a like a real contract, sort of you know, a signed contract. What are you smiling about? I see that. <laughs> um, send them a contract and then they'll, you know, they'll state, you know, I promise to pay the right money. You'll do this for me. I'll do that for you. Here's the date. Here's the time, all that. And then, um, yeah, and then once that's signed off by both parties and we've got a deal and we lock it in and we go from there. Yeah, sorry about that. Josh Wosley lives at this house and was laughing very loudly in the background. Sounds like a hyena out there. He has the best laugh I've ever heard of the guy. (laughs) So good. It's infectious. That quiz night you guys did a few months ago, he's... He's he's broke through anyone else's sound with that. Yeah. Awesome laugh. I loved it. He's good at that. Do you get many bands that are um, sort of hitting you up for more money than that you might be willing to pay or than you think they might deserve or do they ask for long set times or do they bust your balls about sort of wanting certain deals to, to play the show or is it all pretty crazy have you found been pretty good so far like a lot of the bands are new to perth anyway so they're sort of like well look if you come on your own you're taking a pretty big punt on being a four band show with you, know, you might only get 60 70 people because no one knows who the hell you are um so then you know so the money you can't really demand a big buck but if you've been here three or four times you've got you know a whole heap of fancier 
obviously it's a lot easier to, to, to say, hey, okay, easy to pay your money, you know? So I, we had a couple of other bands who really wanted to play this year coming up, but all the budget was already used up. Like I, I can't expect to pay, get 300 payers in the door just yet. You know, I'm sort of working off, sort of picking up like, you know, so 150 to 175 to pay the bills. Um, any more than that was good. There'll be money in the bank, you know? So there's, there was a couple who really wanted to come over, but I can't afford to pay flights and accommodation for, you know, all these, all these bands. It's, it's just not practical unless you're paying $80 a ticket, you know, <laughs> and no one's going to do that. So, yeah, yeah. So most people are being pretty good about it, but the other ones who you can't do, you sort of say, oh, look, maybe we can look at next year and we'll go from there. Yeah, see, that, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, man. And it's interesting because, like you said, Perth is a really death and black metal town. And, um, I mean, even on my early days in the scene, I was like, holy fuck, these people listen to some extreme music, hey? Like, and so power metal's kind of, even though there's those, there are those bands and the thrash bands around, no one really has picked up on it, so... To be in Perth is is quite um it's quite interesting you know what I mean like to start pushing it from the other side of of the fence usually everything big is out of Perth so yeah it's quite interesting yeah well there's when we started the band well like yeah I sort of started trying to do the band years ago you know just knowing that there's no one else doing it like a lot of people are like oh you can't do it because no one cares about it it's because no one was doing it because it's like an untapped market isn't it it's like you know it, it was perfect like there's no point putting out a new death metal band right now or a new death fest or something is it because there's like 50 million of them already so yeah if you really want to stand up and be noticed do something different and it's really just doing following a market that's that's there you just got to find it and then you know you got to work hard to find those people when we've done okay so far but there's heaps more we can do Okay, can I get you guys just to hang on one second? I've got a screaming kid somewhere in my house and I'm here yeah, by sure myself. Josh was yeah, yeah, probably you Josh me. <laughs> it's not Josh, I don't think, unless it is. I'll be right back, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries, man. Right, so whilst she's not here, we're just going to give him shit. What a big poofter playing <laughs> fucking bare metal. No, but Stu is speaking our language. We've got something similar ourselves, even starting 10 years ago in, um, yeah, you know, in an environment where there's it's just saturated with, with extreme you know, death and black and that sort of stuff bands. No one's doing folk metal, but that doesn't mean that people aren't interested, I guess, seeing what takes off uh, in other areas of the world, like Europe and America, for example, where Australia lags behind and eventually it'll start catching on over here. So we started doing that and it seemed to go down pretty well. And, and now there is, I guess, a bit of a scene in terms of folk and, and Viking metal as well. Bands coming to tour the country even and getting good turnouts. Um, from all around the world so um yeah find that nation yeah i think uh when i was just a little boy listening to and reading about all these sort of european bands and everything and yeah just never ever thinking that they'd come to australia because like we were just starting to get you know cannibal corpse coming through again and you know these kind of things so yeah it was um quite amazing to now see Fintroll, Moon Sorrow, Ailstorm, Ailstorm, Corpacliney, um, fuck, everyone's wanting to bring over a lot of other folk bands, some others have tried and stuff, so yeah, it's it's just getting bigger and bigger and I think maybe with Power Metal that'll happen too because, man, Power Metal is massive in Europe, it is so insanely massive and with, you know, yourself and Jim, a lot of Claim the Throne being into it you really find out there are a lot of cool bands. So It's one of those things like a lot of the extreme metal fans will love King Diamond or, or something like that or mm. Dragon Force or someone who is still a power metal band or whatever it is, but they're taking it to the extreme so they might still be blast beats or they might just have ridiculous vocals that 
people of the extreme death metal sort of fan base will appreciate. Um, so you never know. You never know if you don't explore these uh, niche type observations that our friend Stu did notice. How's your kid? Yeah, yeah, she's a good mate. She's just a bit upset about something, and I specifically told them not to come and disturb me while I was doing this. So they were doing a very good job of trying to stay out. But yeah, yeah. so so much you can do. The chocolate solves everything. Then just in case anyone has any oh, yeah. uh, parent tips they need for the future, <laughs> buy chocolate. Do your kids like Halloween? Uh, I don't know how much I know about Halloween. Hey, they my uh, kids are pretty good at wearing Silent Night shirts. I think Ashley <laughs> yeah, chatted yeah. him about the other day. It's Stormrider t-shirts. I seem to like wearing those. But um, I don't really listen to a lot of music at home. This the amount of um, Taylor Swift and uh, Ed Sheeran I'm hearing at the moment is a bit extreme, but um, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, I can appreciate it now. It's better than Beyonce or I don't know whoever yeah. else you can think of. That sounds Ed horrible. Sheeran has got to be one of the worst. I went to his concert the other week, actually. Oh, it was actually you? pretty good. Yeah, did he mill? He didn't mill, but he broke a few guitar strings. It's pretty extreme with his. Yeah, he shredded, man. He was pretty good. But um, okay. if you ever wanted to feel like you're going back to high school, standing <laughs> in the gymnasium with about forty thousand seventeen-year-olds, there you go. Ooh. I mean, yes. That doesn't sound too bad. They're probably a bit old for us, but I mean, young. Yeah. <laughs> if you had mums with them as well, Cabal, so Ooh, you know, no. mum, mother, daughter, double team or something. I don't know. Fire out, <laughs> Jesus! Yeah, this is no. sounding good. Did you hand out flyers to Stormrider at uh, Ed Sheeran? No, no. I didn't think it was going to be my key demographic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe Imagine one day. That. <laughs> On that note, um, you're one of the things that stands out, I guess, with Stormrider and a lot of Silent Night gigs is pretty sweet ass um, promotion and marketing going on. Um, keeping up with the the latest online stuff, but also keeping it um, traditional as well, because um, you do you guys do do a lot of the flyer runs and sticking up posters everywhere, and as well as the online stuff. Can you give us a bit of a rundown of just how you go about um, promoting Stormrider Festival, for example? Is it a, a pretty massive job in itself, and does it pay off? What's good? What's shit? I'm still sort of getting the hang of that because you know, like it's only the second year. But one one idea I sort of had at the beginning was to do the compilation CD. Um, which is, but you know, because one thing I always notice is when you hand out flyers, a lot of them end up on the floor. So, how can I make sure a flyer gets home to someone and sticks around? So, I thought, oh, maybe I'll put the CD, fl- the sorry, CD cover, I'll make into a CD, um, into a gig flyer. So, I put the flyer for the gig on the front cover, and then just got a whole bunch of Australian bands who wanted to be on this compilation CD on the back cover, and obviously on the disc. Um, all the bands contributing a song paid for the CD, basically. So, the CD cost me nothing. And then I had a thousand CDs to get rid of. Um, Heavy Metal Merchant, one of our sponsors, who are pretty awesome, you guys would know. Um, they distribute those to all their WA customers, and we give them out a lot of gigs, as you guys would know as well. So I sort of tried that the first year just to see how it went, and um, yeah, it was really popular because obviously it's a free CD with a bunch of awesome bands and new discovery, and it works great for the bands because, especially for the Eastern State ones who don't have any fans at all in WA, it's a thousand um, potential fans they could have for a very small cost. And then um, the real proof, I think, was like at the uh, was it Creator and Death Angel last year. We did about 300 or so CDs out the front of that when that finished up, maybe 400. And at the end, we sort of stood back and about 50 million bloody flyers on the floor, but no CDs. So, like, all right. <laughs> so it doesn't work yeah. too bad. So then a few people did actually come after that. So uh, that, that's one of our ways. Um, that idea bars me right up, Stu. Hey? You loved it, didn't you? That's the sort of thing that... Yeah. That I put under my pillow at night. Add a QR code to the back of that. I tried to one up myself this year by putting a QR code on the front cover, which would, uh, you love that. I know Cabba loved the QR code. So the QR code linked to the old, because obviously the CD comes out before the, the the CD lineup has to come out before the bands for the festival. So I thought, how can I make sure that everyone's going to hear a song from the band who is performing? So I put a QR code 
linking to an MP3 Dropbox of all the bands who perform. So that way, even if a band does drop off the face of the earth and doesn't want to play anymore, which has actually happened this year, um, I can then just delete their track, add the track of the new band, and everyone's already got that already. They can access it anytime and download it for free. And that also goes to all the radio stations, um, in, you know, RTRFM, Critical Mass, and um, anyone else who wants it really. If a bunch of American radio stations have grabbed it as well. So it's a really awesome promo. So if any bands actually are listening who want to be on the next one, um, and get a bunch of promo for pretty much bugger all costs. They can get in touch with me and Facebook or whatever. Um, and that would be a good way to go too. But uh, the other QR code we had on the cover was just for the ticketing and merchandise as well. So that's a good way to, to reach people. You can constantly update your content without having to reissue flyers. So I thought that was a good idea. So it's still got probably a few things we could probably try and do better as my creativity gets better. We'll see how we go next year. That's awesome, That's awesome, I reckon. Um, yeah. So you send those actual CDs out to the radio stations prior to the event, obviously, and they play the songs of the bands coming up, and then they've got yeah. the, the gig date right yeah. in front of them to read out. Yeah, the local guys have them like RTR. I go see them you know, maybe two or three times a year, just to, you know, have a chat on air. It's usually silent art related stuff. Um, you know, when there's a new EP we did last year, or the, uh, you know, the pre Hammersonic show we did last oh, earlier this year. Um, so they've got all the CDs there, and but also the. Um, yeah, that, that Dropbox link is so easy to circulate. You know, by by I don't care. If, you know, if you've given it to a friend, I don't give it stuff because whoever's on there wants to be heard anyway, and they've already given permission for it to be used. So, um, any any sort of meeting guys on my Facebook list, a lot of them will contact me and say, "Oh, hey man, that Storm Rider looks cool. I'm in England or Europe or America or whatever." And I said, oh, "Okay, well here, if you want to hear what the band sound like, and maybe if you like them, get in contact with them direct, and you can get some more promo stuff from them." And yeah, you know, and it works for some of the bands. Yeah, you know, some of the bands on there don't suit everyone. Um, they're all heavy metal of some sort of degree, but the only, the only thing that that is different is obviously the festival's pretty strict on what it plays, but the CD can is pretty much open to anyone because you know it wants to reach. We, we want to reach metalheads everywhere, and from that you might discover something brand new you've never even thought of even giving a chance, and it comes on, and you think, oh hey, these guys aren't bad. So you know, then we go and pick up a CD from them, and hopefully it goes from there. Sick, love the way you think. That's really cool. Um, what about, I mean, as far as online stuff goes, do you write the press release up for the gig yourself and then, um, you know, share that around, get it onto all the um, the websites around the place and email lists and that sort of thing? I use a PR guy um, who's Silent Night's PR guy, Chris Merrick from Sydney, ah. who's a um, pretty well-known sort of guy and he's worked with Sony forever in Australia. And so he's, he's connected with pretty much everyone we need. So, yeah, quick shout out for Chris Merrick. If you do need good promotion, contact him because um, he'll probably give me 10% off my next Storm Rider or something. <laughs> no, no, but anyway, um, so I use him for the big things like that. I'd use him and he he could, you know, it, it's more the way he sort of sells it to everyone is that they're more likely to open an email from him because I already know him. He's got good stuff. So we're on most websites around the place and, you know, last year, you know, all the sort of media options came through with him and he sort of got back to us so liaised with those. So, yeah, he rides that one up and distributes it. Then I also distribute it. So some people might get it twice, but I don't have a massive email list. That's one thing I sort of suck at is keeping emails and having a massive database of emails. I'm more of a Facebook guy than an email guy, unfortunately. I haven't quite caught up on that one yet. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how it goes out. And then I, I had to alter it a couple of times, but um, he'll give me all the data and all the sort of stuff I need. And then that's also uploaded to that Dropbox, which goes to the radio stations and can be downloaded. So if you do have that QR code, you can also access the press releases and um, you know, all that sort of shit too. So you can see, get a little bit more in-depth info and see what it all goes into. Real cool. Uh, it is interesting because we're often going on about DIY stuff. You can do this stuff yourself. You can write your own bio. You can build your own email list. You can do all these things. But uh, So it's good to hear a, a different sort of approach um, and 
you know, to hear that it's working for you guys. And I know that Chris Marich is a, a really onto it sort of dude that would have really awesome connections. So I, I don't think that's a bad move, you know, if something like that comes your way as well. And part of being a competent DIYer is knowing when to outsource, you know, like so ah. you can't do everything you yourself. You, you can be... You can be good at a lot of things, but if there's something that you can recognize that you're maybe not all the way there with and someone can do a better job than you, pff, that's, oh, mate, that's a some great idea. Absolutely shocking press releases and some <laughs> terrible gig bios and it just makes you like some of yeah, the ideas oh, people come yeah. on. It's like spend a couple of hundred bucks if you're really serious about your show. Spend a couple of bucks to make it sound professional. Get yourself a real logo, make it look professional. And then actually make people might start taking it seriously. So that's why I don't think yeah. I sort of, before I even bothered even announcing the show, I got the logos made up and all the all the little bit of a backstory written up and all that. So, if, I, I think that helped. Just you know, rather than mm. just hey, we whack this together at the last minute. Come and look at it, and it's going to be awesome because that's not enough to sell me on some things. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sure you, you guys see a lot of a lot of crap when people you, like you were saying before. Even um, when you open the um, the support list for submissions for bands that want to play the festival, and you're getting things from bands that aren't even playing the right type of music so they're obviously not reading the submission properly to start with but then you must see a lot of really shit bios do you and that sort of stuff oh some people don't even send a bio but yeah there, there's a few few weird ones out there but you know, having something that look you know you, you you can do them pretty easily yourself if you're good with words like i've written a couple but um you know there's some weird ones out there i I'd, if you're really serious about your band i want it to be if you want to get on the radio or if you want to like get a gig over east or a support slot for a touring band I'd get something probably done on a PDF and look a bit nicer and got some links, mm. hypertext, whatever they call it on there and you know, a nice photo added to it and all that sort of stuff. You know, just And actually reading what's required before you apply is probably, <laughs> it was like, would you go for a job where you're like, you know, oh, it's a job for a cleaner. Oh, yeah, I'm really experienced at being, you know, a fucking whatever else, a trolley boy or something. I've been a cleaner. So I don't know. It's, it's the sort of thing where you got to, if you want to be taken seriously, you gotta be serious yourself, I guess. So, you know, you gotta you know, sort of you know, reading is a key. I think paying attention. <laughs> Very good. You did mention supports in there. I know you guys recently supported Dave Ellison from uh, Megadeth in Perth. That's yep. pretty cool. Was that the first like big support like that you guys have done? No, nah, we did Corplicani in ah. October 2012 yep. or 13, I think, 5th 2013, and we did Blaze Bailey and Paul Diano from Iron Maiden in November 2012. Um, so yeah, so we had a couple that Ellison was the coolest one, like Megadeth's like my favorite band. So that was pretty, pretty awesome for me. And also I didn't even apply for that one. So I was pretty stoked to get it because I didn't mm. even know they were doing so I didn't know. So is that sort of just, it. I guess those sort of promoters might even, you know, ask people that they know in, in the respective cities, you know, what's the most suitable band in Perth. And they, so it's a lot of word of mouth. People might say, oh, Silent Night. Yeah. I had a few guys sort of mention like. I think the uh, Copacani one we got when like when someone sort of suggested we do it. Oh, when you know the promoter asked, and they checked us out, and they were happy to give it to us. So the Ellison one um, was pretty awesome. Like they were the same promoters, Petropolis Touring. So we'd worked with them once before, and you know we did a few little bits extra that some other bands might not normally do. So they were pretty happy with us then. So, um, but yeah, the, the Megadeth one was awesome because being a spoken word tour, I, I, I was thinking, well, I don't think they're going to have a support act, and they hadn't really mentioned them, so I didn't bother. And then we got like an email one day saying, "Oh, can you guys do it?" Like, "Oh, hell yeah!" So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a really important gig for me personally because that's like you know, a pretty, you know, milestone band for for myself. Um, so yeah, that was really good. And we got a few more we're trying to get for later in the year. So we'll see how they go. But having those sort of tours in Perth that happen a lot. It's all you know, like um, you know, Dice's tours are pretty heavy for us. 
and then all the ones that probably are suitable for us don't come to Perth. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's so we're going to take the ones we can get, and you know, so we've got to work really hard when we do get them to make sure we get the next ones as well. So it's, hopefully we get a couple more. It would be good. Totally, you should be very proud of yourself, Stuart. Oh, thanks, son. <laughs> Cool, man. And you've uh, gone over East a lot. That's how you made contacts with Black Majesty and probably Chris Marich, I'm assuming. Darker Half, perhaps. Darker Half. Razor Ray. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, yes, uh, Darker Half played at our first uh, Sydney show, they headlined. And Razor Ray, I've known for about, oh, what's it now, 29 years or so. <laughs> so it's, um, we shared a mother and a father and a house for quite a few years. Um, so, yeah, he helped us out. Actually, he helped us get to Sydney in the first place because um, his band Metal at the time was running around. And um, he got us in contact with Dave Balfour, who's our main man on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And he liked what he saw and heard. So he had us over straight away and the crowd took to us very well. And we were quite lucky for that. So he invited us back for Steel Assassins later that year, which went very well again. And then um, when the Master Plan album came out, we did Melbourne and Sydney. And then um, we just went back to Melbourne again with Black Majesty for their 10th anniversary of one of their albums. Uh, that was back in March, so we were lucky to do that, and we're going back to Melbourne again in June for Legions of Steel, which is another festival like Stormrider. And then uh, we've just booked the album tours for a couple of cities. We're still waiting to hear back on a couple more, but um, hopefully late in the year we'll be heading back again. Yeah, sweet man, kick-ass, nice work. Um, back onto serious topics. Who's better at cricket out of you and Razor Ray? Oh, Ray for sure. Really? I've got a cricketing name, yeah, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. I suck. I Are you the same Stu like... from the? Uh... Australian team or a different guy? Well, I did play for Australia for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. But um, Shane Warne was just too good at the time. So, yeah. yeah, I just couldn't get a game. So, I had to um, retire respectfully yeah, at, the, at the top of my game. But um, my shoulder's given in now. So, Ray's, Ray keeps up the tradition. With I think his, I think his team's called the Bush Bigs or oh, something yeah. in Sydney. Yeah, they've won the premiership a few times. <laughs> so, um, the Bush Bigs reign supreme. And yeah, so, right. I, yeah, I've stuck to guitar and gave up cricket. Cool, man. We were saying the other day if you had a, an amateur sport team to call it after a band, so he could have a uh, yep. cricket team called Bastardizer or something like that. Could be really cool. Or Metal. That would be pretty cool. Silent yeah. Night. Uh, Silent Night. Could be a, like a cricket team. <laughs> we'll actually, we'll, you know, we might tarnish our band by being so shit at sport, though. So um, yeah. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> Maybe we can form our own cricket team between us so we'd be like Claim the Night or something like that. Oh, Silent Throne. I was talking oh, to uh, Aaron from Bane of Asilda, who Ray was, is, still, whatever, the bass player of. And he said, look, man, you know, when we started this band, we had two rules. One, no girlfriends on the road. And two, no one plays sport. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it, Ray's in a bloody cricket team. Dave's playing cricket on the weekend. Everyone's playing fucking cricket. Anyway, it was so quite bringing the girlfriend on tour, anyone? Uh, probably, probably stuck to that one. But um, uh, They've uh, done okay. <laughs> I think he, he was in that band. I think he left, but then... He just happened to be able to come back at the right time all the time because he was studying all Ray. So um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he came back for all these important support slots that are doing. So I don't, I don't know if he's even in the band, but Bastardizer's doing pretty good from what he's told me. So okay, cool. I yeah. guess he'll fit him in when he can. And you're listening to the Razor Ray podcast, <laughs> where we have a what a catch segment and what a catch getting to play Hammersonic Festival for you guys. How was that? That was pretty awesome. We were all very lucky to uh, get that one and. Then we got given the best spot of all the Australian bands there as well. So we were pretty lucky to have a peak crowd. I think we were on about 3.40 in the afternoon or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the weather was nice and sunny. Uh, it pissed rain all morning, so we are lucky it cleared up. And then, yeah, had a really awesome crowd. And we even got an on- encore chant at the end of that one. And really? um, I sort of teased the crew a little bit by you know, 
engaging with the crowd and saying we'll play one more song <laughs> but i wasn't seriously going to do it obviously because they cut me off pretty fast <laughs> so, yeah. yeah but no it was really good so yeah we're looking at going back to indo again this year if we can so that was an awesome Great. experience and yeah they're really good cool man it was all smooth sailing as far as the production sort of stuff went like um was it you know on time and could you get to the festival easy enough and uh yeah i don't know that sort of stuff was everyone was easy to, to work with. Yeah, it was all pretty good, man. Like, um, they had it really well sorted out. And, and Brad uh, Weston had all the details to us like, way beforehand. And so we sort of had a good idea of what was happening. We had Dan Granger playing drums for us, and he'd been there before. So, any sort of like stupid questions that we had, we could just refer straight to him and he'd help us out without having to go and annoy someone important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that Dan's not important, but you know what I mean. And um, yeah, so. We started right on time. We didn't have our backing track working properly. We couldn't quite get that going. But Dan got the triggers running, which was probably more important. I think pretty sure he got triggers running from memory. Um, the sound was really hard to deal with because it's our first time on such a big stage. I guess you guys are familiar mm. with that now. You know, the um, guitar amp being you know, a good 30 meters behind you rather than two meters behind you and the fallbacks sort of trying to punch everything through that and the speakers were a bit shoddy. When everything was running through it, I think it was a bit, a bit uh, watery. But um, I managed to break a guitar string about 30 seconds in, which was pretty good. Nice. Uh, so I ran up running around backstage screaming and yelling for about two minutes before I got changed because I only had one guitar with me. Uh, but that was really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> and transport to and from you guys, you know what that's like, staying at the Sultans, yeah. quicker to walk than drive. Um, <laughs> we got driven a couple of times and uh, just chose to walk the rest of the times because we sort of went backwards and forwards a few times throughout the day just to forgot gear and shower and all that sort of stuff you know cool man and how do you guys go about um generally like getting ready for tours or even writing and recording is there anything special you guys get up to do you jam regularly like how does how does the band actually function week to week um well things are planned out pretty far in advance like um, i'm a bit of a sort of organizer um so Generally got rehearsals weekly if we've got things booked. So like if we've, we're either in a recording mode, which we're about to go into now, or in a show mode or we're in a holiday mode. So sort of like, um, you know, we've been, we were, had sort of had holidays from start of November through to sort of mid-January. We knew we had Hammersonic, which uh, was coming up. So we booked a whole bunch of other shows around that at the time. So we were rehearsing for more than one show. So we had um, five shows in March, pretty much. Um, so we rehearsed from January through we're still rehearsing now. We had a couple of weeks off for Easter and also because we were gigging on like Tuesday nights with Megadeth and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but usually it's every, every week we do one session a, a week for a couple of hours at a rehearsal studio and um, that's going to stop probably mid-June. We'll stop rehearsing then and then we'll go, me and Cam will do some recording. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll probably start the album rehearsals probably like maybe six or seven weeks out from these first shows we book. And we'll just do some solo rehearsals, add a few new songs into the set, and we'll, we'll go from there. In terms of re- recording and writing and stuff, Cam, Nicholas, and I handle all of that. Lyrics, music, drums, pretty much everything. We're a little bit controlling like that, but we've sort of got a, quite a mission for the band. And um, you know, the other guys are pretty happy just to come along for the ride, and they're you know, pretty wrapped with the songs usually. We, we're pretty harsh on the, the writing. We both do like... You know, one of us will write the song, we'll send it to the other, and you know he'll critique the shit out of it and be really nasty to each other. <laughs> and then we'll be friends again afterwards because we we have a rule at the start where they were, we're not afraid to say these sort of things. And yeah, the first album went really well, and we've started playing a couple of new songs live the last year or so, and they've gone out really well. So I think the method works well. So we haven't bothered to change it, even though we've got a couple of new members in the band now. Um, they've sort of 
been told at the start that this is sort of how it is and you know, I know it's not ideal for some people didn't work for some people um, but it works for the band as a whole and I think the success you know, even though we haven't done massive things um, it's worked pretty well so far so I think we would stick to our plan until it fails and if it does we'll try something else but right now that's how we write and it's been working pretty good so do you and Cam flick um, like demo recordings over to each other through email and that sort of thing or what do yeah. you mean it's just you yeah two? I've got like a little boss multi-track um, thingy and um, also like just a pretty simple like a uh, audacity recording I think it's called with the interface into my PC mm-hmm. um, so when we're sort of writing I'll I, I suck at doing drum tracks but Cam's really good at them so I'll sort of put together all the riffs in the right you know and put the song together the, the best I can or completely and then I'll sort of email it to him and he'll have a listen and go and he'll sort of stick a bunch of drums on he goes is this what you meant I'm like oh yeah that's good here but this bit changed for that or this here, put that there, you know, and then he'll go, oh, but I'll say, nah, nah, nah. And he'll say, yeah, but I'm like, nah. So <laughs> and then we'll uh, come to an agreement at the end of that. We go, oh, yeah, that works the best. And then, you know, we'll agree on that. It's good. So, you, so if I've written the main song, you know, the, the bulk of the song, I've sort of got a bit more right over it. If he's written the bulk of the song, he's got the more, more right over it sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we have to be happy with the song to both be putting out because he records and masters and mixes and all that sort of shit. So he's going to be happy with what he's doing as well as, you know, he's putting a lot into the band just as like I am. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a partnership that it's like a marriage, I suppose, but we don't have sex. <laughs> Try how, how do you teach the other guys the song? Uh, well, he's, Cam's also really good at doing tabs. So um, yeah, it's pretty handy actually at all this sort of tech stuff. So he'll uh, he can tab it if we need it to be tabbed. Um, the vocals he'll do a vocal demo with the um, harmonies on it as well, and you can pitch him up if he needs to on um, doing clever technical things I don't know anything about. <laughs> so, um, so he can do all that sort of stuff. So vocally it's all good. Drum tracks are done easily um, because it's all programmed. So all the uh, drum has to do is pretty much listen to it and he'll learn it. And uh, yeah, and if he's written a song, he'll tab me, or you know, he's got a really good ear, so he can usually make out what I've played because I'm not as crazy with sweeps like he is. So, you know, it's a bit easier to work out than what he's playing, I think. So, um, yeah, that's how we usually do it like that. Cool, man. Good stuff. Well, we'll, we'll start wrapping shit up, I guess, unless there's anything uh, else you wanted to to chat about in particular. I'm sure you'd be dying to plug the upcoming Swarmrider Festival. So feel free to plug away if you've got any upcoming shit you want to talk about, dates and lineups. Sure thing. Okay, so it's Saturday, May 23 uh, at the Civic Hotel in Inglewood on Beaufort Street. And there's a bus stop right outside. If you don't have any transport, catch the bus from the city because <laughs> some people don't. It's 18 plus, unfortunately. Uh, I know a lot of people want it to be all ages, but it cannot be, unfortunately, due to liquor licensing. Uh, Lord from Sydney is headlining. They used to be called Dungeon. They've been around about 25, 26 years now. And they are crazy good. So please look at them. Um, Lord.net.au, I think is their website. Uh, we've got Silent Night. Obviously, we've got Harlot, which wrote the pretty much the best album of 2013, according to a lot of reviewers in Australia, anyway. So they've just put out that's put out a new album, I think, next week or so. So they're becoming a brand new material. So check out Harlot. Got Al Kira from South Australia, who were here for a couple of shows in January 2012, I think they were. And they went down pretty well. They're doing a lot of shows. They're in really top shape at the moment. I think they're doing about 30 shows this year or something. A lot of country stuff around Melbourne and uh, South Australia and stuff. Uh, Lord Symphony from Indonesia. Well, hopefully you're going to have them. We've been working hard on visas and all that sort of crap. So they also did a bit of crowdfunding and just trying to get the money together because obviously Australian dollars are worth a bit different to Indonesian rupiah. So, yeah, they're going to be coming over. Uh, we've got Anarion from Melbourne. Some guys on who listen to this might know of Bane of Winterstorm. 
and the guy who's the vocalist of Anarion was was on the album for Bane of Winterstorm, so he's a really kick-ass vocalist. I've seen him live before, and uh, he's a killer killer singer, so he'll be good to watch. Uh, also got Espionage, which are young speed metal guys from Melbourne. And then we've got the locals. We've got uh, Death for Hem, who've just been added. The Thrashers, old-school Slayer sort of style stuff. Uh, you've got Morsica, who are prog masters. They can pretty much play anything you tell them. They are virtuosos. And we've also got Four Horsemen, which is a Metallica tribute band opening the show. So they'll be playing probably 30 or 40 minutes or so of all of the best Metallica stuff. So I told them to keep it old school and keep it fast. So if you like those sort of old Metallica songs, come down early and catch those guys. Yeah, cool. St. Anger will be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be St. Anger followed by the one about the table and the chair. Or I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't listened to that stuff for a while. <laughs> Awesome, man. Sounds like a wicked day. Uh, where do people find out more about it if they already forgot everything that you said? Is it online Yeah, there was, a lot, there was a lot to say. Yeah, facebook.com forward slash silent. No, silent band's my band. Facebook.com, edit that out. Facebook.com forward slash Stormwriter Festival. Good shit. What about yourself? If people want to ask you any shit you did mention before that um, people are welcome to get hit you up about things, do you have an email address or someone, something that's uh, best for you? Uh, yeah, Facebook's good. Stream Gill on Facebook or... Festival at live.com.au is a good one because um, I check that regularly. So if you want to ask anything about the festival, hit me up through there. If you want to get your band on the CD or anything for next year or contact me and tell me you're in a hardcore punk band who'd really like to play the show so I could <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, please do that. And uh, yeah, that'd be good. Okay. Now just a couple of questions we must ask. First of all, oh, what sure. is your album of the week? What have you been listening to? Oh... I was just, hang on, Primal Fear. Let me just get the name of it. Oh, the latest one? No, oh, I love that album. That was my yeah. album of last year, actually. I've downloaded another one. Hang on, let me just get my phone out here. It is. How much should it cost? To download the album? Yeah. Uh, like $17.99 or something on iTunes, I think. Whoa. I was, was trying on. to catch you out there, but obviously. No, no, no. I, you know what? My son is 12. He goes to a pretty nice high school and he's got a you know, laptop through school. And he told me the other day how to download MP3s from YouTube. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> and I was like, um, do you realize what you're doing? You know, it's not stealing, Dad. It's not there just so you can listen. It's for people who can't afford it. I said, I oh, don't know if you can. But um, we downloaded a Star Night song from YouTube just to see how it worked. And believe it or not, you can download songs from YouTube and save them as MP3. Uh, the Primal Fear album called Unbreakable is from 2012 on Frontier Records and it goes for 16 minutes and it's 13 songs and there's an awesome song called And Then There um, And There Was Silence. So that's a good yeah, one right. to check out, Cabo. I know you're a man for Primal Fear. I think I probably have that somewhere in the depths of my collection. But, Dig it uh, up. Yeah, they're, they're a good one, I reckon. What about you, Cabs? What do you got? Me? Well, I just got a new classical guitar the other day so I've been trying to find some um, new stuff to listen to that's a bit chilled out, not metal related. But I stumbled across an, a very old dude called Nick Drake, um, which is pretty old school and, yeah, not metal at all, but um, really brooding classical guitaring and, um, yeah, cool singing, you know, just catchy songs. I've been enjoying that heaps. His album, Pink Moon, from the 70s, I think, I've enjoyed thoroughly. Sick. How about you? You're gay. Um, <laughs> I listened to... Bellacore, Stone's Reach, yet uh, again. Um, they just released a vinyl remaster of it, and I they had a 40% off sale on their merch store on Bandcamp, so I got hold of that sucker for six bucks or something like that and thought it would um, be too good to miss. Got it in high quality, had a great listen, 
And um, yeah, it actually sounds quite a lot different. And in fact, I prefer it now after listening a few times. So quite interesting how just one process of the recording phase can drastically change the feel of an album. But yeah, I encourage you all to check it out and support Bellacore because they're fucking awesome and they're recording at the moment. Posted a few little teaser clips on their um, Facebook page, which are sounding really exciting to even hear, even if it's just a simple, like they might put a video up of the guitarist recording one lead and you can just like grinning a bit knowing yeah. how good it's going to be Sick. also uh most anticipated album of the year i've just pre-ordered the new forefather album curse of oh, the quelled did. i did 12 pounds anywhere in the world uh, 24 australian dollars yeah so that's all right including delivery to doing it myself <laughs> <laughs> so i've done it and i did get a personal email from them saying thanks which turned me on slightly Nice. Oh, I, I got the new Megadeth one. Uh, I was for that oh, pledge yeah. campaign that everyone's whinging about. Oh, yeah. Oh, Have you seen that? No. Oh, they're doing like a pledge oh, campaign. Oh, I've like. seen it. Yeah, have yeah, I seen God, it? Say, that say, is say embarrassing, man. It. I don't even want to no, talk about I it. I disagree. I disagree, but we won't give it any yeah, time if you don't want to. That's okay. I can't even remember what I hated about it so much. It was just, I don't know, it seemed particularly expensive, some of the things for, for what you oh. actually get. And people, you know, I mean, obviously it's Megadeth and people are, you know, they, they are entitled to to charge that bit more and, you know, do the bit more of a crazy thing. But some people paying like, you know, $10,000 to rehearse with them and that sort of thing. Oh, well, that's yeah. extreme, obviously. But, you know, oh. yeah. I, I, I don't think that was really, that was more just an experience thing. But, you know, that's a good, we'll, we'll discuss this one off air later on. <laughs> hey, I, I you've ordered something off it, have you? An album yeah, or something? Yeah, I've got the uh, signed vinyl off there. So that'd be a good collectible considering it's got a couple of guys on there who probably won't be on, or one of them won't be on the tour apparently. Yeah, cool. So, you know, yeah, something like that. But my question for Ash is, are you wearing any pants, mate? Because I can see most of your <laughs> upper leg there and it's quite yeah. exciting. Just stand up for a second. Oh, you've color-coordinated color your pants to your top. Yeah, it's pretty, so, pretty dark in here. Oh, uh, yeah, correct okay. me if I'm wrong, <laughs> Stuart. Is this the first time you've ever used Skype? Correct. Uh, this, I've just created a Skype account. Um, yeah, I have one contact called Brendan Capriotti <laughs> and I've done a Skype test call as well, which I don't know how that worked exactly. But yes. Yeah, well, well, how Skype works anyway, when uh, the first time you log out, um, the first call that you have, you do have to um, accept a, a vision of the other person's dick. So we'll, <laughs> we'll be showing you our okay. dicks before you log out <laughs> uh, and you'll be paying us for it in uh, monetary fashion later on. So cheers. My PayPal account. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally, for you, Stu, what song, if if you're willing, would you like to have played? Uh, one of your songs. One of your oh, songs. One of your songs. If, one of my you, songs. Oh, I thought it was cool all about what you guys wanted. Um, yeah, play <laughs> one of my is. songs. Um, play our latest one from Power Metal Supreme EP, uh, "Prisoner of Your World." Please. Beautiful Good choice. Can do. Cool, man. Well, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, again, those that haven't heard at Silent Night, be sure to check them out. Best places, probably Facebook to start. And if you're in Perth, make sure you get to the Storm Rider Festival. Is there any chance that it will play in other cities one day, do you think? A um, national I sort festival? Of t- talked about it with my counterparts over East, but they seem to have it all pretty well wrapped up at the moment. There's you know, Steel Assassins and there's Legions of Steel. And the climate at the moment, it just sort of seems that maybe the um, gig going public can't handle too much of this sort of stuff. So rather than oversaturate, we'll just keep cool and not blow our load too early and give, give it a couple of years, you know, and we'll see how we go. Good one. Well, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, you've been listening to Stu McGill on the Claim the Throne blogcast with Cabba and Ash at claimthethrone.net. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and all around the internets. And uh, we have no upcoming shows, but uh, we are writing a new album, so keep in touch so with us. Join off. our email list and whatever. Record yourself uh, saying something on the right side of claimthethrone.net on the speak pipe thing. 
Cheers, Stu. And, and last thing from Ash. of the week, last thing was I was at the Carcass and Napalm Death gig oh, in me too. Perth the other day. And highlight for me, I was put on a certain duty where I had to stand in front of the crowd right at the front of stage protecting a special piece of equipment. And all I could see the whole time, and I know he's probably listening, was one Mr. Oliver Udall <laughs> oh! going so hard in the pit. It was insane. <laughs> And it was getting pretty rough in there, and he had the biggest grin on his face, and he was in there. I'll give him credit for this all fucking night. <laughs> it was ruthless, he man. Bomb, eh? Oh, dude. Have you seen that mullet that he's growing? Uh, oh, it's, it he's, was it's swishing around if that's so what hard. You call it. I don't know what that is, but I do like it's it. Like, I, I quizzed him on it the other night. It's like, it's like, you know, the awkward stage where it's not long yet, but it's too short. So yeah. it's too short to be long, but it's not long enough to be short, yeah? <laughs> so it's like a mullety sort of, the back's growing longer. And I was like, mate, what's going on with this mullet? you got the battle jacket out. Yeah, he's, he, he's going to cut it. I said, no, nah, we'll, we'll keep it going, mate. Don't, so, no, yeah, no, I was no. just curious how it's going. Oliver, mate. please keep growing it. And I thought, I got excited. I'm like, is he growing his hair out? That is fucking awesome. So anyway, good work, man. That was fucking killer. That Maybe cool. next week, Ash, we'll chat about um, your time at the Carcass and Napalm Death gig. So didn't you know you were you quote unquote working. Um, and it was a good night. I was there too. Yeah, I thought I Napalm Death were insane, actually, and I've never really, really rated them too hard before, but man, I enjoyed them thoroughly. Yeah, I was standing side of stage, so it was like a little bit, the sound wasn't that particularly crash mm-hmm. for me. Anyway, stiff right, shit. Let's wrap it. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Coming up next, Silent Night, Prisoner of Your World. If you like what you hear, search them on the internet and buy it, you dummy. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next time. Sign up to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast. Go on your podcast app. Rate, subscribe, and comment, and whatever people do. Marketing, marketing, marketing. And something, something, something in a special (laughs) voice. Bye.